Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi everyone, my name is Liza Goldberg. I'm a student at Stanford University and a research scientist at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. And at NASA, I use satellites to monitor global changes in tropical forests. I'm based in Washington, DC. So I first developed the opportunity through just the science that I had done at NASA. So when I first stepped into NASA when I was 14, I had this kind of crazy goal of creating this global scale, you know, real time uh, mangrove ecosystem monitoring initiative. And so I spent the last couple of years kind of building that up. It's like a lot of coding, a lot of learning how to use satellites and, and remote sensing. And because of that research, um, my mentors at NASA really pushed me to get it out to the world and start speaking at scientific conferences, you know, in the science world you kind of disseminate your information in two means. Um, the first is through papers, through scientific journals, and the second is through conferences. So conferences were huge for me to really feel like my research had value and that I had something to say even in this world of, of grown-up scientists as, as a high schooler. In terms of developing the confidence to be able to speak in these environments, for me, having a network of people and a team of people who really saw me for my work and not for my age or my qualifications was so critical. So I think surrounding yourself by people who lift you up and, and don't care about all of those things really can help you feel like you know your research has worth and what you have to say in these kinds of high stress environments is still is still worth it. Do you ever experience imposter syndrome? I do. I still experience imposter syndrome really every day. I think um, I've definitely come a long way from the 14-year-old walking into NASA um, just because I've been able to recognize the work that I've been able to do. Um, and I've gotten validation from those around me again. But, you know, it's hard. It's always hard as a woman in science um, walking into these rooms. I usually do kind of a mental head count, how many women, how many men um, in the room when I walk into these meetings. And it's intimidating. I think also once you have role models too in the field who are women and who do these things and who step up in front of all of these men and, and, you know, talk about their research, it becomes easier and easier to feel like you have a place to do that too. Just to put myself out there, like I experience imposter syndrome every day as well. At least for me, it's yet to go away. So I don't know. It might be fun to interview someone who was like, yeah, I used to have imposter syndrome, but no more. Like, it's definitely not my story. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's hard. I, I don't think you'll find many people whose imposter syndrome has gone away. Even, you know, you see interviews from some of the most high profile um, women in particular in the world and some men too, who still feel that way. Um, and I think it's the combination of having humility but you need that confidence as well. 100%. You're so cool. What would you say is one huge obstacle? We've talked a lot about your wins, but what's one huge obstacle you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? 
So a really big focus in the scientific community is just kind of starting and doing analysis just for the sake of publication. There's this mindset called the publish or perish mindset, where the goal is just, you know, publish as many papers as you can, um, just kind of get your work out there, um, see your metrics on things like Google Scholar go up. And really from the beginning, I wanted to challenge myself to kind of defy that mindset and see, you know, what potential applications can my research have outside of the world of publication. And so it was kind of um, challenging that narrative for myself. And then being in front of other people who haven't really thought about challenging that narrative has definitely been uh, an obstacle for me. And it's also difficult too, as I think about climbing in my own career, you know, how do you do that if you don't just want to publish papers all the time? It's a big question. And it's one that I think the whole scientific community is still kind of grappling with, but I think we're definitely moving in the right direction. Hey, I'm Mara Rafe. Chief Data Officer at FreshBooks, one of the world's leading cloud accounting software solutions based in Toronto, Canada. So when it comes to marketing, I am best at kind of crazy ideas. I really like finding a weird idea that we're not sure if it'll work or not, but really putting my all into it and seeing how we can take the brand and connect it with our target audience in a unique way. So it will engage the audience. TikTok is a really easy way to do that because of the quick nature of it and how easy it is for people to like and share and how great TikTok is at finding the correct audience and serving it to the correct people. For the TikTok in particular, our goal with it was to really just explain official to people that may be interested. And the way to hook on TikTok is a really great intro. And the one for the TikTok that I had made that originally went viral was stop scrolling if you're in a relationship. And that pretty much instantly hooks anyone who's in a relationship because it's direct call to action just to stop doing what you're doing immediately and watch this. And even people who weren't in relationships were continuing to watch through and try to figure out, wait, why can't I watch this video? I'm not in a relationship, but I want to know what's going on. Uh, And that's kind of a trend that's been popular on TikTok, the stop scrolling if you're this type of person or keep scrolling if you aren't this type of person. Uh, So kind of taking these trends and morphing them into something that works for your brand is really important and something that's worked really well for me and official. What goes through your day-to-day research? Like what blogs do you look at or books do you read? How do you kind of uh, gain intel to be the best you can be as a marketer for a startup company? Sure. I spend a lot of time looking through Twitter. Honestly, I wish I had a more advanced knowledge base that I went to. Uh, But I follow all my favorite bloggers and journalists on Twitter. And uh, when they share their content, that is the easiest way for me to see what's there, see what's available and get to it quickly. Twitter is just a great place for me to kind of organize my wants out of media. I have a lot of bookmarked threads from Twitter. I love that people have been posting more threads lately. They're so helpful and they're so digestible. It's a great way to get information quickly. 
And for those of you who may not know what a Twitter thread is, it's like, I feel like it's almost like the new new. It's like a little mini essay in tweets. And so people just like bulk up tweets back to back and you could click on the first tweet and then it drops down to all these other tweets connected to it little. And they're usually tutorials on something or action steps and something that you could bookmark and then utilize in your research. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's such a digestible form of media that is easy to use. And I've seen people take long blog posts and break it down into their bullet pointed summary in a thread. And it's just the easiest way that I can get knowledge quickly. And I really love using Twitter for that purpose. Hi, I'm Sarah Dempsey. I am the head of social media marketing at Official. We are a relationship app for couples to improve their relationship. I'm based in New York City. I have a degree in engineering and applied mathematics and chemical engineering, which is really like a degree in process engineering. And so um, I was interviewing for engineering jobs coming out of school. I had no clue what I wanted to be. Uh, I actually really wanted to go into fine art in university, but I decided that an engineering degree would probably get me further. So I decided to do that and keep art as a hobby. Anyway, so I'm, I'm applying for jobs. I'm in a final round interview with the Procter & Gamble Always maxi pad facility in Belleville, Ontario. For those of you who don't know Canada, it is a small town somewhere in between Toronto and Montreal, but quarter of the way, you know, closer to Toronto. This is the job that you get when you're a process engineer. You are going to be, you know, designing and manufacturing always maxi pads, like for a massive company. And I went home after the interview. I looked at my parents, looked at myself and I was like, is this going to be my life? Like, is this really what I'm going to do? Am I going to design maxi pads? And I said, like, absolutely not. This is not what I want to do. This is not what I was meant for. Um, Anyways. And so I spent uh, a little bit of time soul searching and I applied for a job in consulting. I got that. And, and I really went into it with a very open-minded approach. When you sort of start a consulting firm as a junior person, you sort of get put in a pool of analysts and you get shipped away to do whatever project is important. Every single person who uh, was in my start group at the time, so it's like, you know, the, the cohort of people that you go through training with was like, this is exactly the job I want. This is exactly the job I want. And I very, took very much of like, a, well, I haven't done any of these jobs, so I'm going to learn something no matter what I do, and I'll just do what I wanted. And I got put on a telco project that was like a testing job, which is like, if like this is the totem pole, you're like underneath the lowest person on the totem pole because you're just like spending all day checking if if the software that was designed is operating as, as, as it was, but it was the best job I ever had because four weeks later or six weeks later, the project sort of finished and there was a new phase kicking up. Fast forward six months, I'm helping sort of redefine our you know, network strategy. I'm on the phone with telecommunication companies in the US and Australia. I got to go to Rome to help think about our corporate strategy of how we were thinking about telco and IPTV. You know, and then again, then I, I, I ended up on another project one day and the, the partner was like, Mari, you need to calculate an NPV and that present value. And I'm like, wow, that is. But Excel has a calculation to do that. And I sort of woke up and I was like, well, maybe I should go learn about this business stuff. So then I went back and I got, I got an engineering degree, graduated in 2009, sort of right at, at the downturn of not great time to look for a job. So I ended up going back to consulting. And, and after that, I sort of said to myself, you know, Mara, like, you spent a lot of time in consulting. You spent a lot of time helping other companies. And I really wanted to go and work for a company that I could live with the results. I could understand. I could sort of dig in. 
and move forward. And, and I joined uh, Canada's largest teleco- telecommunications company. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, when I, you know, when I moved that, I, you know, it was a pay cut, but I, I really said to myself, like, I think this is the right decision going forward. And so, you know, my perspective on, on all of this is, is that like, a lot of people right now are looking at, okay, is this job going to be a promotion? Is it going to be, am I going to make more money? And, and a lot of times more money is like, oh, I'm going to make $5,000, $10,000 more. And the advice I like to give when I look at my own career is like, if you're looking at the one-year salary, you're looking at it wrong because your one-year salary outlook, because you're going to jump from job to job, is very different than looking at the, well, how does this position me in the long term, and, and how am I and how am I going to do that? And so you know, all the jumps I've made and, and all the twists and turns have all sort of been around saying, do I feel like I'm moving forward? And do I feel like I have a path to do something awesome? The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.